We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Rob Osgood, thank you for the mailbag question. Hey, guys, sorry if it's, if it's been brought up before. What do you think are the strengths and weaknesses of this coming year's team? Well, I mean, to me, it's a little too early to know for sure what the strengths and weaknesses are. The strengths are, I mean, they're more broad. Okay, we know they have a lot of talent at the skill positions on offense. The weaknesses, a lot of it's unproven and unproven here. And I know what Bo Collins did at Clemson. What's he going to do here? Is it going to be the same? Is it going to be better? Is it going to be worse? We know what Chris Mitchell did at FIU. Is it going to be the same? Is it going to be better? I, I can love the talent, but how's it going to fit here? Mm-hmm. Right? Dorian Singer goes to at Arizona, has a thousand yard season, goes to USC, and he's just nah. now he's back in the portal again. First of all, it goes to show it's not grass isn't always greener on the other side, fellas. I hope you enjoyed your payday because your perception of a as a player has taken a big hit because you went to USC. Big hit. And so, to me, that's going to be something that that you kind of look at, but how is it going to be here? There's a lot of talent on the offensive line. How good is it going to be? I just we need to kind of get through spring, but here's, here's the things I feel good about saying for next year. I feel really good about the skill talent on offense. I, I feel that that's a strength. I feel really good about the secondary, and I feel really good about the D-line. I feel like those positions right now – I can comfortably say are going to be strengths. If they can help Riley Leonard make the adjustment, I think that's definitely going to be a strength, but that's kind of part of the skill talent. I think the talent is really good. Uh, concerns, I wouldn't say that. I don't think Notre Dame has a weakness. It's But is something not quite up to championship? Like You don't have a weakness if you're a team that's 10-3 and three and scores at least 40 points in nine games. You, you don't have a weakness. You just may not be championship level at certain things. So the areas where that's still a question mark for me, offensive line, right? Um, Linebacker, uh, special teams. Those are areas where right now the strength conditioning program, those are areas Mm -hmm. where this past season, some of those positions weren't good enough. Strength strength program wasn't good enough. Offensive line wasn't good enough. Uh, There were certain things that weren't good enough in that regard. 
Those are concerns that have to be better. And now you throw in linebackers being a question mark because you're going to have some new faces and some younger players in roles they haven't had before. I'm just more com- – I mean, I'm, I'm, I have a lot of confidence they're going to pan out, but it's still a question mark. And then the last one to me is I wouldn't call – again, I don't think these are weaknesses because you're 10-3. and three. You're, a, you're a top 15 team. Mm-hmm. But the, 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 it's not so much a weaknesses part, about, but more of a, a question mark about is it championship level, and that's going to be can Coach Freeman develop the culture from January to January, basically, that is good enough to go out and compete for and win a championship? That's the question. So it's an unknown more so than a weakness. I don't know that it's a weakness because weakness tells me he can't do it. James For yeah. James Franklin, that's a weakness. He can't develop the proper culture. He's not a good enough game day coach. That's who he is. It's proven. That's what's going to keep him from getting to that next level, in my opinion. With Marcus Freeman, we don't know that he can't do that. It's just we don't know that he can either. So I'd say it's more of a question mark than it is a true weakness in my opinion. Now, if in two to three years we're having the same problem, Sean, then it's it's a weakness because we've now seen it. That's why I never said, because we've actually had discussions and our discussion was question versus strengths. Because I agree with you. Weakness is like, I, you know, you can say, well, they got an inexperienced offensive line. Yeah, but they're talented. It's, it's not really a weakness. It's a question. Like, we have to see how they develop, how they grow. I think a question that I'll add to what you said, and then we can move on to the next one, is leadership. Like Cam Hart and J.B. Bertrand are like, yo, those are big boys to feel as far as they meant a lot to the Notre Dame football program. And, yeah, you got Riley Mills and Howard Crossway. Benjamin Morrison has never had to lead in the secondary. How does he embrace that? Benjamin Morrison is like kind of like a a quiet dude. Like, I'll just play. That's my that's my leadership. But if he has to be more vocal, like how does he step up? Who's going to be vocal on the back end? You can say what you want to say about DJ Brown, but yo, he was very vocal as a safety. So these are things you know that are questions, the types of questions that you have. But you know, the, the defense is a strength. That dude, the Al Golden defense is a strength right now. Like it's just whatever position, it doesn't matter. Just in total, that's your strength. That's your rock. That's what you lean on. And then the questions that exist on offense, I guess the running back room would be a strength. Oh, yeah. I mean, talent. That's why I say skill, talent, talent. offense. Yeah. There's no question the skill, talent on mm-hmm. offense. Quarterback, running back, receiver, tight end. There's plenty of talent. Will it be production? That's that's why I said talent, not it's a great room. It's great. I mean, that's why I say there's a lot of questions about, you know, can Jaden Greathouse make a jump in year two? Can Jordan Faison mm-hmm. make a jump in year two? How will Chris Mitchell's production translate? How will Bo Collins' production translate? Like, I could see Bo Collins being a guy that comes to Notre Dame and is just exactly at Notre Dame what he was at Clemson. Just a good, solid part of rotation, catches 30 balls, and he's a good player. I could also see Bo Collins being even better at Notre Dame than he was at Clemson because I think the system that Mike Dembrock runs, and I think it's even more so that Mike when Mike Dembrock got hired. Like, the Bo Collins pickup became even more important when Mike, when Mike Dembrock got hired, because Jared Parker never really showed, and same with Tommy Reese, they didn't have the same boundary emphasis in their offense that Mike Dembrock's had at at, at Cincinnati. Oh, you at saw Notre with Dame, neighbors and Thomas and LSU, and we saw with with, uh, with neighbors Alex and Thomas now at LSU and the yeah. Alex Pierce kids. Alex Pierce kids. Boundaries. Yes. We yes. saw that at Notre Dame. 
you know, so there was that 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 presence where you needed your outside to be dudes. Where mm-hmm. the offense at Notre Dame in the last couple of years was more slot oriented. Mm-hmm. Now it's more outside, going to be more outside oriented. So yeah. if Deion Colsey doesn't step up, then now all of a sudden you really need Bo to become that dude. If Dion steps up and Bo steps up, then you're great there. But I could see Bo Collins being even better now. Like that pickup to me now is much yeah, better than much it even better. was when they got it because yeah. now you have a different offense that's going to be more – you need that boundary presence at Notre Dame now more so than you did previously under Jared Parker. Not better, not worse, just different. And so now the Z and the X are much more important than they were a year ago where you could feast on slot and your tight end and your outside guys were complementary pieces. They can't be complementary pieces now. They need to be dudes now. And so I would, again, and not just Bo Collins, but Chris Mitchell too is now even bigger pickups now than they were before. And can they step up and be dudes? That's still a question mark. They've got to show it. they got to prove it. But uh, there, there's no doubting the talent in the room. It's just like with a lot of things we've been saying about Notre Dame for years, Sean. Talent has not been the issue for Notre Dame for a long time. Now, the talent wasn't good enough in certain spots because of Brian Kelly, but it was always better than what it showed, in my opinion, because, you know, uh, a lot of different reasons. So the talent's not the problem. It's can that talent turn into production? That's that's the question for me. A quarterback, running back, receiver, uh, linebacker, and and safety. I'm less concerned about that at corner because I feel like we saw enough of those. Like we saw enough of Christian Jay, Christian Gray and Jaden Mickey to say I feel they're going to be good. I didn't see enough of a Don Schuler to know that if he's the number two next year, he's going to be a good player. Now I love the talent. I think mm-hmm. a, I think a Don can be a, a four year starter at Notre Dame. Because I believe he took a red shirt this year. I think it'd be at least a three-year starter if he decides not to come back for a fifth. I love a Don Schuler's talent, but I haven't seen him do it. Where I've seen Christian Gray be thrust into a starting role really twice now, because the pit game when when Benjamin and Cam both got hurt. And then in the bowl game, I say he stepped in and did it. Same with Jaden Mickey. I I know there's like Drake Bowen, I don't know that he can step into that role and thrive because mm-hmm. I've never seen him do it. But I know he's super talented. And so those are the things that, you know, it's those positions where we haven't seen guys do it. Like, I'm more confident that Charles Jagasaw is going to be a dude next year than Drake Bowen is going to be a dude next year, or Jaden Osborne is going to be a dude next year. Why? Because I've seen that Charles actually be thrust into that role against really good college football players. And once he got his kind of sea legs underneath him a little bit, it's pretty flipping good. Mm -hmm. Drake hasn't been put in that situation yet. Not that he can't do it. We just got to see it. And that's, that's kind of where I'm at on those, Sean. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. So when you guys did the upon further review, you came away even more impressed with Jagasaw? Oh, yeah. Like the first series and a half was rough. Mm-hmm. Like first play of the game, he gets knocked down. It was like, it's like, welcome to college football, buddy. Right, but right, once right. Once he kind of settled in, I was like, okay, this is what these guys are bringing. These these are grown-ups. These are... Then he was pretty flipping good after that. Mm-hmm. I thought maybe probably first two series, he kind of struggled a little bit, stop his mm-hmm. feet. And when you stop your feet against those kids at Oregon State, they're going to knock you down. Yeah. And then once he started kind of sinking his pads and coming off and saying, hey, okay, I'm going to bring it today, then all of a sudden the 6'6", 330 starts taking over, right, and the athleticism and all that. Yeah. I thought he played really good after that early. And then the Oregon State kids are like, oh. Yeah, this is a big boy, right? <laughs> like this is, this is a man. And so, yeah, I thought he played pretty well. I thought Tosh was very surprisingly good in the game. Like I thought Tosh was pretty good in the game. I thought Ashton was a little up and down, but it was funny. He was the old lineman that made the AP all bowl game team, which I thought was kind of interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Billy was a little up and down, but, but they showed their moments. They all, they all, they were all up and down. They're young. But but exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Those guys were in start three. Charles is in start one. Baker's in start three. I mean, Pat Coogan was by far your most experienced guy and he's a one-year starter. Yeah. Right. So they're going to have their ups and downs, but you just love the talent. You love the compete level. You love the fight. Yeah. Now it's like, hey, work your feet through contact, use your hands better, take better angles on down blocks, all those things you can work on. But the compete level was there, the talent was there, the fight was there. And that, dude, if that's the bait, if that's your foundation, okay, I don't know how the technique is going to be, but here's what I know they're going to be huge, they're going to fight, they're going to compete, and they're at, they're talented. Yeah. If that's your baseline, you're yeah. pretty flipping good. Where yeah. in 2021, we're like, that guy can't play at this level. That guy can't play at this level. Yeah. You're starting him at Notre Dame. Now it's like, these are all dudes. These are all draft picks. It's just how will they be day one, day two, or day three? Yeah. That's the that's the conversation that we're having now. Yeah. And so uh that's why I say, like, I it's gonna be good. It's just how good. That's the question mark. That's the difference. Is Notre Dame gonna be 10 and 2 next year, or are they gonna be 12 and 0 next year? Like to me, there's no nine and three acceptance next year because of the schedule they're playing. Like that would be disappointing. And so that's the question mark is are they going to be 10 and 2 good? Or are they going to be 12 and 0 good? That's yeah. that's that's the thing that we don't know yet about a lot of these position groups. D-line, I think they're going to be 12 and 0 good because they were 12 and 0 good this year in my opinion. 
Nah, the other places weren't that good, which is why they didn't go 12 and 0. Right? The corners were 12 and 0 good this year. Mm-hmm. Other positions weren't. That's where it's at. Can they have enough of those 12 and 0 good positions to go out there and win? And then do it at the key positions quarterback, O line, D line, and then, you know, that, that type of thing. And that's where we're going to be at. Paul Olmstead, thank you for the super chat. If Tommy Guns is dancing tonight, can you tell him I get to leave this time? <laughs> Love me. I agree. Go dog. That's something you guys gotta you guys gotta work that out between the two of you. I'm I'm not getting at all involved in that conversation at all. At all. Even MC, who are the players with the highest upside at each position for the 2024 season? It's a long one, I know, but good content. Okay, so let's go position by position and say who is the player that has the highest ceiling. So quarterback. I actually think it's Riley Leonard. And I would argue that that Kenny Minchie, I would say CJ Carr has the highest, the next highest ceiling, but I could be convinced that it's Kenny Minchie is actually higher. It's between those two guys. I I think Riley Leonard has loads of to talent. 6'4, 220, athletic, good arm. Can I mean he, he I think he's got a ton of talent. He's got to put it all together, but upside wise, I, I do think it's Riley Leonard because he's got the size that the other quarterbacks don't have. You know, Kenny's six one and a half, CJ's six two and a half, six three. They're all, you know, Kenny's Kenny's thick, CJ's a little skinny, but Riley Leonard, six four, two twenty plus, and just he's got that size. Well so I'll just give mine, Sean, then you give yours. If you agree, we'll move to the next position. Yeah. 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 I think right now CJ Kenny is like second, third roundish. Because mm-hmm. I haven't seen it. I mean, their their performance on the field is going to change that. Riley right now is definitely first round talent. So and I think I think I would say that Kenny's got a little bit better physical tools than CJ, but CJ is a little bit more advanced than some of the other tools than Kenny. Mm-hmm. But they're both very talented kids, and as long as you get excited, Sean, like between the two of them, you only need one of them to pan out. And the reality is, they both have the tools to be that dude. Right. Running back. It's close. It's closer than people think, but I'm going Jeremiah Love. Mm-hmm. But it's a lot closer than people think with Jadarian Price and Key and Keedron Young. It's a lot closer than people think. It's not Jeremiah Love in a runaway. It's Jeremiah no. Love, but those other two guys are really good. And Aeneas Williams is no slouch either. <laughs> Neither is Jerome Payne. But as far as upside, I, I'm going Jeremiah Love. Yeah, we're same. Wide receiver is also an easy one for me. It's Cam Williams has the highest ceiling of all the receivers. I mean, just n- maybe not for 2024. I'll say if mm-hmm. who has the highest ceiling to be the best player in 2024, I'd actually probably say Jaden Greathouse. Either him or, you know, Deion Colsey, maybe Chris Mitchell, maybe Bo Collins for 2024. But as far as like when it's all said and done, because he says for the 2024 season. I think Cam long-term has yeah. the most God-given talent. I don't know that we'll see that in 2024. Yeah. I think in 2024, it's between Great House, Dion, Chris Mitchell, and Bo Collins for highest ceilings. Jaden Thomas has the highest floor yeah. of anybody a receiver. Like, no doubt. If he's healthy, the highest floor. Those are my four guys in contention. Part of me wants to say Dion, but I just need to see him stay. The problem is I just be healthy. Been, yeah. It has to be healthy. Yeah. Man. So that's why I probably go Great House, Chris Mitchell, or Bo Collins. 
right now. If Dion can be healthy and be properly motivated, it could be Dion too. I mean, D- yeah. you just can't teach 6'5", 215, 4'5", with length. You just yeah. can't teach that. But does Dion have the other tools to be that great player? That we don't know. Stay healthy, be better in practice, you know, turn your town into production. We don't, we don't know the answer to that. Yeah. I would, Chris Mitchell would be my guy. I've been saying that. Yeah. I think he's going to bring something to the offense that they really haven't had, especially to the field. Well, and, and they can use him depending upon the situation, especially with, you know, Faison on the inside. They can, it's a lot that they can do, you know, and I hope that they, oh man. And I know Ben Brock does this, but, you know, just watching like LaFleur yesterday and the motions and the bunt sets and, the delayed routes with the tight ends and oh just just a different and variety of ways that he'll he attacked the Bears defense and how it helped Jordan Love. And I think he's helped Jordan Love. But you can help your quarterback as a play caller and an offensive coordinator. So I think ultimately I think that I'm looking forward to seeing everybody and Mike Benbrock and what he can do. Yep. Yeah, I wide receivers, I I would put Chris Mitchell up top, but then after that, yeah. I'm pulling for Deion Cozy. I really am. Yeah. I really oh, am. Because really the am. tools are there, man. I mean, the yeah. tools are there. The other thing, too, is, again, I, I, Chris Mitchell, I talked a lot about this with Bo Collins, but but the 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 X, the boundary, was the top position at LSU, was the top position at Cincinnati. The Z was the top position at Notre Dame under Denbrock with Wolf because of Will Fuller. So those two outside positions are going to be very, very important. Tight end, if we're talking upside, it's Eli Raritan, number one. Mitchell Evans, number two, upside for 2024. Mm-hmm. But Mitchell is the best, I mean, by far has the highest floor mm-hmm. of all of them. There's no doubt. Like Mitchell is, I, I, I'll have, I, I, I was wrong about it coming out of high school, but I embrace it now. I was told, um, Coach Reese actually told me this. He's like, Mitchell Evans is a day two draft pick. This is back before Mitch, like before the 2022 season even started. So before I'm like, okay, I'd seen like almost nothing of Mitchell in 2021. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, this kid's a day two draft pick. And I was like, I hope you're right. But I just, I, you know, it's hard for me to know that because he played quarterback in high school. Like, I don't, I don't really know that. And I'm like, yep, okay. I, yep. He's a day two draft pick. I think Eli Raritan, if the medicals check out, has a chance to be a day one, day one. draft yeah. pick. Yeah. Um, now, will he be that in 2024? Mitchell Evans is going to be their best tight end in 2024 if he's healthy, right? Like, But as far as if everyone reaches their full potential in 2024, I think Eli Raritan is a slightly better player. It's, it's funny because post-game Virginia in 22, remember? Oh, yeah. Michael Mayer was hurt, and we were talking. I'm like, yo, I think Mitchell Evans has a chance. Yeah. Because I believe he had that game, like four or five catches. You talking about against South Carolina? No, it was Virginia on the road. Michael Mayer was hurt. No, Michael Michael Mayer caught that crazy pass in the back of a guy in that game. Michael Mayer was hurt. I forget which game it was. I okay. I just know Mitchell Evans had to step up for him that game, and I think he had like four receptions that game. I'll go. I'll go look. This is in twenty twenty two or twenty twenty one. I mean. Yeah, Mitchell caught a pass that game. What was his? Uh... But the only the only passes he caught last year was th- he had three for thirty nine. 
But I know the game you're talking about, Sean. I don't no, know. No, it, it, it was definitely his freshman year, I believe. But I don't know what game it was. He he only caught two passes that year. But I remember him being open a lot. And I think maybe that's what you're thinking about. Maybe that was the conversation. He got had. open a lot. And Michael played against Virginia. He might have got – I think he got banged up during the Virginia game. That's, and that might have been what, what it was. Is. But, yeah, and then Mitchell had that one catch. But he was open a lot in that game. So that might be what you're thinking. Um, but uh, – they're very, they're both very talented guys. Offensive line that's an easy one is Charles Jagasaw. Uh, that's an easy one for me. Uh, D yeah. line highest upside for twenty twenty four. This is going to shock some people. It's either Riley Mills or Josh Burnham are to me the two highest upside for each position. I I think Howard Cross could once again be a second team All American again, but Howard is kind of what he is. Riley still has that potential to take another big jump like Howard did in his fifth year. And then I think Josh Burnham could be a dude. Howard just has so much character, man. Yeah. That we, Place we can off. say like, yo, I, I think he's going to level off a little bit. And it's like, he'll just, whatever questions you have, he'll he'll answer them next year. I don't, I don't have any questions about you it. You know? And it's I, like. I think he'd be an All-American again. That's no, I'm just saying question. like, not us, but I'm just saying like the same thing we talked about with Manti. Like, you know, the evaluators, what they said, okay, but you can't do this or you didn't do this well. And every year he just answered the question. So whatever the value, whatever the evaluation he got back from the NFL this year, I believe wholeheartedly he's gonna take that, answer those questions, and maybe yo know, be a high day two draft pick, which would be fantastic for Al Washington. To get him and Riley Mills to kind of like go into the draft and that day two range, be fantastic. But Josh Burnham is somebody I totally agree. He would be at the top of the list for me. Let's go linebacker. Highest upside. I'm mm-hmm. going Drake Bowen as the highest upside. Will he mm-hmm. be the best? I don't know, but he's got the highest upside. It just there's nobody else in the position, with all due respect to Kingston and Jalen Sneed and Jay Nalsbury. That has this combination of size and athleticism and power. Now Drake still has a lot to learn about the position, but nobody has his overall combination of those tools. And now he has a year under his belt. So uh, as much as I mean, look, there's a lot to like about Jalen. He's still only 220 pounds and six one and a half. You know, Jaden Allsbury is still not as big. They may end up being better players, but if we're talking upside, I'm going Drake Bowen. I can see someone saying Kingston. Or at least putting them in. Ryan probably would make that argument. Yeah. Yeah, I can see someone saying Kingston. Uh, Drake, you know, I'm a Drake dude. So I mm-hmm. I love Drake. We're talking 2024. But we're talking 2024. It's going to be hard for me to say a true freshman has the highest ceiling. I think, but That's why I, I didn't I say think, anything about Bryce Young. Yeah, I think Jalen like, has a chance to impact. Jalen could be a five-sack. I'll probably lowball him here. Seven to ten tackle for loss, fifty tackle. Jalen has a chance to play the same role, but I don't think I don't think I would call him the same. But he could be like Jeremiah Wusu, core more in the offense, just a disruptor, just make man impacting negatively offenses, run game, passing, just. He can be that type of player if he finds his niche. Mm-hmm. If he finds his niche in this defense, 
his, his feeling is his upside is pretty. Jalen Sneed, talent wise, has a chance to be a day one pick. Talent wise, Jalen Sneed. Yeah, hmm. he has. He has. He can. He can because he has what the NFL looks for in versatility. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, 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 and versatility to be able to play different positions, right? Because Wusu ended up being what second round. Yeah, but that was because of some other things that were going on. Okay. That's why he fell in the second round. Um, it wasn't just because of lack of size, or whatever. There were some other things that were kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure the Browns are happy. Like, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> we'll take them. Uh, let's go cornerback, Sean. I mean, that's Benjamin Morrison. I think you could See, argue that, that gonna, Christian I, Gray. I, I would argue Christian Gray. Yeah, for so 2024. For 2024. No, yeah. No, I'm I'm yeah. I'm I think that much of Christian Gray, right. like maybe I, when I, their I think, career's over, but I, I just think Benjamin's experience, I mean, he's the boundary. I think it's Benjamin. But the fact that you're even questioning that, the fact that you're even pushing back on that. Speaks volumes about how good this cornerback room could be. Uh, Christian's going to have more interceptions because they're going to test him. Oh, sure. Sure. Production could be better, but that mm-hmm. doesn't make you the better player. Because yeah. that's the Kobe Bryant versus Sauce Gardner conversation again, right? Like, Kobe Bryant wins Jim Thorpe Award. No one on the planet I thought he was better, he was than, better than, than Sauce Gardner, yeah. right? Uh, correct. Correct. That's how good Cam Hart was this year because teams kept throwing at Benjamin. Yeah. Because they're like, I'm not throwing a five. No, we're not throwing at him, yeah. Yeah. So he's either going to break it up, force a fumble, or knock my dude out of the game. Right. That seemed to be kind of like whatever. That would always was happen when you throw a Cam Hart. But I just – the fact that you're having that – that you're even questioning that it's Benjamin Morrison, again, is why I get fired up about the quarterback room next year. Yeah. Uh, safety, that's also an easy one for me. It's Xavier Watts. It's not even close. Yeah. For 2024. Yeah. So that that would be my pick. So we're pretty much on the same page for most of those. There's another one, Sean. Got another question. What are some of the early returns, if any, about Lauren Landau in the direction of our strength and conditioning? I mean, they program? haven't really Thank you, Matthew. Yeah, they haven't really started yet. So it's too early to tell. Like the players aren't even back yet from break. So mm-hmm. it's, it's too early to tell. What are the odds, one to ten, of the ND staff being in place already for the 2024 season? Nobody leaves. 2024 feels like it could be special. I worry about coaching changes derailing the momentum. I mean, look, I, I just I don't worry about. It. Number one, they're not going to lose five guys. They're going to lose six guys, most likely. There's a chance. I mean, look, there's a scenario in which Mike Mickens, Al Golden, and Dylan McCullough are all gone at some point in the off season. That would suck. But that's where it comes down to. You've got to have enough faith in Marcus Freeman to go out there and make the right hires to, to fill those, those shoes. I'm more concerned about losing the defensive coaches. But at the same time, Sean, it's like this is Marcus Freeman's specialty. He's the one that hired Mark Al Golden in the first place. He's the one that hired Mike Mick, you know, or kept Mike Mickens and hired. I mean, he's the one that hired these defensive coaches. Those have turned out to be pretty good. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm just never going to be that concerned about the defense as long as Marcus Freeman's here unless he gives me a reason to believe otherwise yeah if Dylan McCullough leaves that would stink but there's some other good running back coaches that he could turn to like that's the key it's just the school has proven they're willing to pay for it they'll go out there and get them so 
I'm just I'm not as concerned about coaches' changes derailing that moment. It's still the same head coach. You know, you're still going to have <clears throat> certain guys there, and then you just got to trust that the head coach is going to make the right hires. That's what it comes down to, and you know that that's kind of where it is. But you know, I, 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 Sean, I mean, dude, I told you this. What was it? A month ago, almost now. Where I was like, dude, I don't. Uh, no, it, was, it wasn't quite a month ago. It was about two, three weeks ago. I was like, dude, I just, I just have this feeling. Twenty twenty four is going to be a special year, man. Just like everything's mm-hmm. kind of falling into place. I love the talent. You know, I, I'm very high on a lot higher on Riley Leonard than most. Uh, I, I love the skill, talent, the O lines. I mean, there's just a lot. And then you also look around the country at what people are losing and what people are coming back and what their schedules are. And there's just a lot of things that I look at and say, man, this. It's got a chance to be something. Yep. And it starts getting you excited. It really does. It yep. really does. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Shane Watson, thank you so much for the mailbag. I be in the house. What changes do you see coming to the strength and conditioning program? Honestly, I don't know. I, I would say, Sean, maybe listening to that show you guys did with Cam McDaniel might give yeah. some insight into that. But yeah, I just Cam- don't know enough about the specifics of, of, of how it's going to be different to answer that question, Shane. And I know Cam Cam knows a little bit, about, I believe, about Coach Landau, but also about you know when people talk about sports science what that means so maybe sean um while while we're answering the next question if you could maybe go find that youtube link of that show and maybe put it in the chat and people sure. can can look at it so uh we'll, we'll kind of get to that after um we kind of get to some of these questions so here we go dave them thank you for the mail bad thoughts on logan Diggs being back in the portal it depends on why. So, Sean, I I was told by somebody at LSU that, that that they're hearing that he was kind of forced out after his knee injury in the bowl game, which, if that's wow. true, is going to make me really pissed off and dislike their football coach even more. But that's just that's one person telling me what he heard. He's going to do some more digging. It just depends on why. If he's upset that he didn't get enough touches, then that's just childish. I'm sorry. Like you, you know, you 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 had a good situation in Notre Dame. You chose to leave. And if you're unhappy how it's working out now, well, you know what? You should have thought about that. But if it's, but that's why I try not to comment on it too much because what if he was, in fact, told to move on or something like that? Like, there's, we don't know. What we have to understand as fans is these situations are not always kids choosing to leave. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more of coaches telling them to leave than what you guys realize. And so I just don't know enough about why he's leaving to really have a strong opinion either way. I hope he figures it out and I hope he lands on his feet. Cause I like Logan, but if it's, if it's him leaving cause he's unhappy, then he needs to grow up a little bit. 
If it's him leaving because he was forced out, then this is why you shouldn't have gone and played for that POS in the first place. You know, because you'd be walking to a situation where, you know, you'd be that dude next year. And then, you know, who knows where Notre Dame would be right now at running back. But, you know, he, he couldn't stay healthy this year. That's always been a bit of an issue for Logan. If he was forced out, that just speaks volumes about the character of the person that forced him out, in my opinion, which his character sucks anyway. But it'd just be more obvious if this is the case. So It is something that was shocking when I saw it, but then it was something that wasn't shocking, right? Because mm-hmm. you understand how the person that is the head of the program can misuse players, mm-hmm. right? And – I don't look, I'll be honest. We've had this conversation. He is, let me use the right word, because you can misrepresent. I don't want to misrepresent this young man because I don't really know him like that. But there's some maturity that needs to take place. Mm-hmm. And I think that's been evident, you know, in his short college career. And, you know, if someone said he needs to be coddled, I could see why why they might be saying that or someone said everything needs to be perfect i could see a reason why someone might be saying that but other than that um i think the kid missed a great opportunity man to be part of a great one-two punch and go to the nfl with his guy audrick estimate they could have both left after this year yes 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 he missed the perfect opportunity if he could have just you know, whatever holdups he had, issue like, dude, I want to be the Which guy, was, whatever. It was that yeah. way the moment. I mean, every offseason was going to be convincing Logan to stay. Yes. And I think they just got to the point where it's like, no, we're not going to do that again. And it worked and out for like, Audrey. Yo, you, you, it definitely worked out for Audrey. Definitely worked out for Audrey. What you saw against Clemson with him and Audrey is something you could have seen all season long. Yeah, because, I mean, I you, you look at him at LSU, Sean, when he was healthy, Logan was pretty good at LSU this year. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the reality of it. He was a pretty good player at LSU this year when he was healthy. But that's always kind of been his M.O. is he, he just can't stay healthy. And he went he went four games early. He had 14, 19, 24, 18 carries, 97 yards twice, 101, 134. He rushed for 101 against Ole Miss. He rushed for 134 against Missouri. You know, like he he had he had some good production, and then rest of the year six eight hurt hurt five one because he was injured. Like you and, said, the grass yeah. isn't always green, right? But that's a heavy workload for a kid that hasn't been able to stay healthy. He yeah. he could have split that workload with Audric this year, mm-hmm. and been pretty dynamic. But hey, that look, we all have choices we have to make in life, and we have to we always have to live with the consequences of those choices, good or bad. Yeah. Yeah. Ryan Loftus, thank you for the mailbag. Do you think Notre Dame closes a top five class for 25? Uh, with the national recruiting rankings, no. They're going to have too many Northern players in their class for it to be perceived as good as it will be. Just like this year's class was not ranked as high as it should have been. Mm-hmm. I, I don't care where they finish, 8th, ninth, 10th, 11th, I don't care. I'm going to tell you all right now, there are not five classes that I would take over Notre Dame's right now. Notre Dame. And I'm probably going to do this, Sean. I'm going to probably kind of do a top 15 class right. rankings yeah. instead of because I, I i just don't have the time to do the top 100 where i literally break down every player and grade them and i just don't have time to do that but i i can break the players down to kind of look at the classes i'll probably do something like that around in, around signing day where i'll actually have my top 15 and, and we'll see how how it shakes out in a few years mm-hmm. and how the classes are 
but I can I can assure you now that I've broken down a lot of the top 10, 15 classes, and there are not five I would trade for Notre Dame. And I'm going to grade it based on talent acquisition, meeting needs, balance, all that stuff, not just points. So I'll do it differently and to what I believe to be the right way. So we'll see. If, if you had to re-rank the 2019 class, because that would be the class that just graduated, right? Yeah. Uh, no, it'd be, be 20, 20, 21, 22, 23. So 20 would have been the one that just finished their senior years. Okay. Cause 19 would be fifth year seniors. Yeah. 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 That would be a fun exercise too. Like they're through looking back. It's going to be so much harder now with all the kids leaving transferring and stuff. Yeah. It's just like, I mean, by, by two years that A&M class was decimated, mm-hmm. just decimated. Like Georgia's class from last year lost a bunch of dudes already. Bunch I mean, dudes. Notre Dame had this great receiving class, and half of it's gone now. Yeah, you know, it's just it makes it so much harder. But yeah, I always enjoy those looking back where the classes rank type of things. Those are always fun to do. NC Notre Dame fan, thanks for the mailbag. Real serious question: With Mike Mickens being one of the best cornerback coaches in the country, why can't he get the top five to ten cornerbacks to come to Notre Dame? I see where the number one cornerback, Devin Sanchez, is going to Ohio State. Who says he hasn't? I told you all. I told you for a year, Benjamin Morrison was one of the best cornerbacks in the 2022 class. And he was. He was the best cornerback in that class. He's been the best cornerback in that class so far. As a freshman, you could argue Will Johnson was as good or better than him this year, but it's those two. So what do you mean he hasn't got one of the five best? Oh, you mean recruiting rankings. Rankings. Nobody cares. Or nobody yeah. should care. Guys, it's about what they do. That's like saying, well, you know, Jeff Quinn couldn't recruit top offensive linemen. Well, he recruited Joe Alt. Yeah, but he wasn't ranked. Who freaking cares? He was a unanimous All-American, and he's going to be a first-round draft pick. Who cares what his recruiting ranking was? There are not more than one or two corners in the 2022 class better than Benjamin Morrison. And I told you that when he when he committed to Notre Dame. But you th- because rivals didn't rank him higher, 247 didn't rank him you don't think he got one of the five to best cornerbacks. Christian Gray was legitimately a top five to ten cornerback. He was a top hundred recruit coming out of high school. So I, I don't – I mean, I think your entire premise is flawed. With all due respect, I think your entire premise is flawed because they have gotten those guys. Back-to-back years, they got those guys. Christian Gray was not ranked as a top ten cornerback coming out of high school. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I don't care. A couple had him at 11. I don't care. He was top ten when he committed to Notre Dame. If he would have signed with LSU or Ohio State, he would have stayed in the top 10. Facts. I mean, Davion Dixon was a four-star kid till he commits Notre Dame. Now, now he's dropped out of everybody's rankings. Guys, that's real. That's 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 real. But you're going to tell me that Benjamin Morrison was not one of the five, a top five to ten cornerback? You're going to tell me that Christian Gray is not a top five, top five to ten cornerback? Because here's the reality of it, and you have to come to grips with this. Mike Mickens does not give two Fs about what rivals, 247, on three or ESPN, think about cornerbacks in college football and high school football. He does not give – he gives zero Fs. He's going to trust his own eyes and own instincts. So what you're saying is, why does Mike Mickens not listen to rivals in 247 when he's determining who he's going to recruit? That's literally what you're saying to me. He should care about what they say, not his own evaluations. Because in his opinion, Leonard Moore is a top 5-10 to 10 cornerback. I can assure you of that. In his opinion, Carson Hobbs is a top 10 corner. Now, I didn't agree. But then Carson went out and played his senior year, and you're like, okay, I can start to see it. I still don't have Carson ranked that high. 
But if Benj- if Leonard doesn't get hurt, he would have been. So in my opinion, I think he has landed those guys. So and I think you need to lend it. This is just the way I see it, because only because you use the reference of Devin Sanchez going to Ohio State. Ohio State has over a decade of putting defensive backs into the NFL. Correct. Mike Mickens came to Notre Dame, and that was like the biggest weakness defensively. Right. That room, right. he has built it to the point where he's about to start putting players into the first and second round in the NFL and start that pipeline. And then maybe top guys, because well, kids that's what kids look at. Kids, right. Devin Sanchez – Devin Sanchez has no proof that Notre Dame can get him to the first round. Right. In development. Yeah, he can say, yo, all right, Cam Hart. But these guys are like either still playing or about to be drafted. Right. You're looking at Ohio State, Devin Sanchez is like, dude, I got 10 years of guys that are still playing in the NFL from Ohio State. So, and Alabama, the same way. Georgia, the same way. So, you know, you have to give Mike Mickens a little bit of time, man. He came in, so he had to go evaluate right. the guys that weren't like, the top guys. He did. Like, yeah. ben, again, who do they beat to get Benjamin Morrison for? Right? So so if you want to say, well, like, you know, you find that sleeper guy and you had to, like, like Joe Walt was a true sleeper. They beat, mm-hmm. like, Iowa and Wisconsin for him. Not Bama, not Georgia, not Michigan, not Ohio State, right? They mm-hmm. beat those – those teams that find the sleepers. He was a true sleeper. Benjamin Morrison, they beat Jimmy Lake and Nick Saban for. Folks, there are not two better DB coaches in America than Jimmy Lake and Nick Saban. There just aren't. The NFL draft shows you that. All American teams show you that. That's just the reality of the situation. That's who wanted Benjamin Morrison along with Mike Mickens. So I don't care what Rivals said or 247 said or on three said about Benjamin Morrison. They were wrong. What has happened since he got to Notre Dame has proven that they were wrong. So that right, Mike Mickens would have told you, I don't know what his rankings say, but there aren't that many better cornerbacks in high school football right now than that kid, which mm-hmm. is why they went after him. And which is why, why does Nick Saban go out to Phoenix, Arizona to recruit a cornerback when he could just recruit anybody, you know what I mean? Anybody in the Southeast? Because he knew he was a dude. He saw it. That's a dude. Christian Gray, they beat the two DBU programs. They, my man, they literally beat Ohio State for Christian Gray. Mm-hmm. So the school you're using in your example, Notre Dame literally beat them for him. And Morrison was not a four-star when he committed to Notre Dame. He was a three-star when he committed to Notre Dame. And even though he jumped up to a four-star, nobody had him in the top 300. Nobody of the national services. Not one. So he was not a top five to ten corner. Here, Here's where Benjamin Morrison was ranked. In, in high school football amongst the top cornerbacks in, 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 in high school. in high school this, this is where he ranked. On three, had him at number 45. 247 had him at number 37. ESPN had him at number 43. And Rivals had him at number 30. And on three, had him as a three-star. Why should I care what they think about top corners? It's easy to look at certain kids and say, that's a stud. That's easy. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to look at Aaron Lynch and be like, that's a five-star DN. It's harder to look at Isaiah Foskey and say, that guy's going to be a top five defensive end in the country. That's what Mike Mickens does. He finds those guys that he believes are big-time talents that maybe others don't. But there's a reason Nick Saban went out to Phoenix to try to recruit him. There's a reason Jimmy Lake pushed as hard for him as they did. 
because he was a top five corner coming out of high school. Christian Gray, in my opinion, easily a top 10 cornerback coming out of high school. And it'll be proven to be so during his career. But just because on three and rivals in 247 didn't say so doesn't mean Mike Mickens hasn't landed those guys. Remember the initial conversations we had about Christian Gray going into his senior season? Remember that? I wasn't like, high on him. Yeah, you were like, yo, I don't see this, I don't see the speed. Like right. he's long, but I don't see a lot the of speed. things I like, but not enough speed. Yeah. Right. And then, and then, then senior year. You know? Right. But you what know? did I also say? Well, trust Mike Mickens. And then I looked at who also was recruited because that's a big thing. I don't care about what recruiting rankings are. I don't care about offers. I care about who's pushing for you. And mm-hmm. LSU and Ohio State were pushing hard for Christian Gray. Nick Saban and Jimmy Lake were pushing hard for Benjamin Morrison. Right? That matters a whole lot to me more than what rivals or on three or whatever say about him. Right? And so that's that to me is kind of where it comes I'll from. Give, I'll give you a perfect example. I watch uh, Caleb Beasley is like a consensus five-star defensive back, right? Not anymore. Okay, he dropped. Yeah. Well, the majority yeah. of his recruitment, he was like, mm-hmm. you know why he dropped? I can tell you one game. He played on ESPN, and Ryan Williams just ate him up. Right. Ate him up. Took his lunch and his lunch money. And after that game, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, you're probably not playing the likes of Ryan Williams consistently. Right. And I think that goes to go watch the, the – it's the same thing. Remember, we looked at the schedule. Though. The opposite's true, though, Ryan, or Sean. Why? Yeah. What was one of the reasons that can't, that Christian Gray, in my opinion, went up in the rankings? I you watched saw the, you Aaron saw the wide Scott, receivers. Ryan Wingo, Jeremiah McClellan, and Jeremiah McClellan. Shut, yes. shut Ryan Wingo Carnell down. Tate. Right. Carnell Tate's another one he went against. Yeah. yeah. And, you're and the same thing, Carson Hobbs. Go look at the wide receivers right. he faced this year. Tom Knox right. wide receivers. Right. And held his own. That's yeah. when you see the competition. He's doing it again. Dub, with Micken's resume, that's what he says. With Micken's resume, with Micken's resume, I just feel like the top kid should be wanting to come here in the 2025 class. Devin based Williams is a top what? corner. But based right. upon what? Here's my thing, though. No, I mean, what do you mean? No, I'm saying he keeps saying they should want to. That's not how it works. Well, it. Well, I'll, I'll disagree with you a little bit because I do think there's top corners looking at Notre Dame right now. No, no, no. Now, He's had top corners Devin, looking in the last right. two cycles. Right. Dallas so is that. that guy. Devin yes. Williams is that guy. Devin Williams yes. is a top 100 player. They are highly ranked guys. Yes. So so now you're kind of changing the narrative a little bit. and the But the fact is there are top guys looking at Notre Dame. I think what Notre Dame has done with Benjamin Morris and Cam Hart, you are having higher level kids looking at Notre Dame more right now. Yes. But it's only going to go so far until you start seeing guys get drafted higher. But Thank again, he is getting that. Guys, I'm going to tell you something right now. There were guys in the 24 class that were top 100 corners that were interested in Notre Dame that Mike mm-hmm. Mickens said, no, I don't think he's that good of a – I don't think he's better than Leonard Moore. That's a fact. Sean, you know some names I'm talking about. There were some guys in the 22 class that yes. were very interested in Notre Dame that you all would have been like, wow. But he said, no, I think these kids are better. I like Micah Bell's upside better. I like Christian Gray better. Same thing with 25. There are some 25 kids that I know express interest in Notre Dame that Mike Micken said, I'm not that high on that kid. Yeah. Because they're not as good as other guys on the board. That's the whole point. And so you keep talking about, 
I think sh- top kids should be looking at Notre Dame more. And my answer is they are. That's what Benjamin Morrison was. That's what Christian Gray was, right? And so that's my whole point is they are getting those dudes. Those guys are interested in Notre Dame. Just because Rivals doesn't think a guy is, and this isn't a shot at Rivals because, you know, our guy John Garcia is working there now. And I do trust John to a degree. I trust myself to a degree. But when it comes down to cornerbacks, I'm smart enough to know that I'm not smarter than Mike Mickens when it comes to evaluations of cornerbacks. <laughs> Facts. Right? Facts. And, and no so, one – and it's much – too. he's not the defensive back coach at Alabama. He's not the, – he's the defensive back coach at Notre Dame. There are other factors that go into not just the evaluation – but making sure this right. kid can get in. Like, right. you don't know who There's falls outside. recruit at Notre Dame, right? Yeah. Exactly. You don't know who falls outside. The, you don't even know if Devin Sanchez would even academically qualify to get into Notre Dame. And we're not saying he won't. We're just saying we don't. You, we don't you make know. these assumptions. Yeah. But again, I just go back to the fact, Sean, of those things are all true. But he is getting top five to ten corners to come here. That The whole premise is why can't he get top five ten corners? He is. Mm-hmm. Benjamin Morrison was. I don't care what the rankings say. Christian Gray was. Mm-hmm. I don't care what the rankings say. Leonard Moore is close to being a top 10 guy. I don't care what the rankings say. And that's why the product we see on the field tells us a different story with a lot of these kids. I mean, guys, did you look at Notre Dame's recruiting rankings this year on for their defensive starters? Yeah. It's not impressive. But they were really good football players. I don't care what the recruiting. I don't care that Cam Hart was not ranked in the top. Cam Hart was not a top five hundred football player in high school. Can anyone tell me that Cam Hart's not a top five, top top one hundred to one fifty player in college football this year? Of course he was. I mean, Isaiah Foskey was not a top two hundred player coming out of high school, but he was a top fifty draft pick. So what matters to you more? Joe Walt was not a top two hundred player coming out of high school. I think only one service even had him in the top two hundred. That was 247, and they had him like 180-something. Yeah. Everybody else had him lower. He's going to be a top-10 NFL draft pick. So, like, we just – Notre Dame needs elite players. We just have to stop allowing certain people to define who the elite players are and aren't. And Some it, of them it, are obvious. Others are not. I'm telling short, you right now, Sean, yeah. I'll say this, and I'll let you go. I promise you, I know this. You know who my source is on this. Mm-hmm. They viewed – Benjamin Morrison as an elite player yeah, coming out of high school. They viewed him as one of the two or three best cornerbacks in the entire country when they went after him and they got him. So just because other recruiting services didn't agree, doesn't mean Mike Mickens didn't go out and target a top five corner and land him. You and I both know that they viewed Christian Gray as a top three to five corner in the 2023 class. Even before I came around, on him being that they saw, he saw before I did. And so you may think that they're not because of what rivals in two, four, seven and ESPN say, but I'm telling you, Mike Mickens viewed both of those guys as top five corners in high school football. And they got him. And Leonard Moore, I don't know if they viewed him as a top five guy, but Mm -hmm. certainly a top 10 guy. They loved Leonard Moore coming out. There were highly ranked corners still on the board that liked Notre Dame when they took Carson Hobbs and Leonard Moore. Yeah. Now we'll find out if Coach Mickens is right or wrong about those guys. Nobody's perfect. Yeah. But I'm just telling you, they don't think Notre Dame would push back against your entire premise that they aren't getting top five to ten corners. 
because they believe Christian Gray and Benjamin Morrison flat out are top five corners, flat out top five corners. And we'll find out if they're accurate. See, the, 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 it's a great discussion, right? But the problem is, and I hope this answers it, the problem is has absolutely nothing to do with Mike Mickens, and you're trying to pin it on Mike Mickens. The cornerback at p- position at Notre Dame has no credibility. The offensive line position has credibility right. with multiple coaches. So Notre right. Dame will always get top offensive linemen. They will always get top tight ends at Notre Dame. Why? Because they have a history of producing first and second round players at right. that position, regardless of who the coach is. Regardless, they're trying to break that trend with the quarterback room. Mike Mickens has broken that trend with the cornerback room, and you have right. to give him time. Right. And if he leaves for the NFL, the next coach will have something to come in on. He'll benefit from what Mike He'll did. benefit and continue the tradition. So right. you ask, what is? it doesn't matter what the coach currently at Ohio State has. Ohio State as a program right. has the, produced the at this position. The coach there. coach there is going to – and Ohio just happens to be a great place full of high school kids that can play the position. Both of their top corners last year were from the state of Ohio. Yes. Correct. Here's the thing, Sean. The guy that coaches there now did not coach Jeffrey Kuda. He did not coach, you know, um, Marshawn Lattimore. He did not coach no. all those guys they had. But, he, like you yeah. said, he's still getting the benefit. Joe he's Rudolph did not benefit. coach Quentin Nelson. He did not coach Mike McGlinchey. Ronnie, but he's still getting the benefit he's of benefit that. Of, right? Yes. My point, again, is I'm – I get what you're saying. I'm pushing back on the entire premise of why can't he get them? Because my point is he is getting them. He is getting those players. And and they, they kept pushing back like, well, 25. You're assuming that there aren't top players in 25 at corner that are interested in Notre Dame. And my whole point is they are interested in Notre Dame. They are. They're, they're looking at Notre Dame. Some of them have visited Notre Dame. You're assuming that because Mike Mickens doesn't go get those guys – that it's because they're not interested. There are a lot more times where it's he's not interested because he thinks someone else is either a better player or a better fit. Because the other thing too is this kid may be a great talent, but he can't fit here. So it's wasting all of our time to bring him here. And that's to your point. But again, Benjamin Morrison, Christian Gray, are top five to 10 cornerbacks and Notre Dame got them. This all goes down to a, a, a premise of we're assuming that rivals in 247 and those guys get it right in their rankings. Some of them are obvious. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to look at Caleb Downs and say, that's a five-star. It's harder to go project Harrison Smith to be that. It's harder to project some other players to be that. And that's mm-hmm. that's that's the whole point. It's and it, he says, I see your point, Brian. It's not about rankings. No, it is about rankings because Notre Dame ranks their players too. They have A group guys, B group guys, and C group guys. Mm-hmm. It's just that their rankings aren't the same as 247 and rivals and on three. That's the point. Their ranking is Benjamin Morrison is one of the best corners in the class, two to three best corners in the class. Christian Gray is one of the five best corners in the class in their evaluation. Not of guys they can get, but just top in the class. That's the whole argument is you're assuming that that the only people that can identify who the top five to ten are is rivals two, four, seven, and on three. That's Mm -hmm. the flawed premise. 
Now, if we're going to accept the premise of those people, that's where Sean's argument comes into play of those kids that are more highly regarded are going to focus more on the schools with a more proven track record. Because we've heard the same argument at offensive line. Well, why doesn't Harry Heastan go after more highly ranked guys? Because he made a living on not going after those guys for much of his career. Because he doesn't care what rivals thinks about an offensive lineman. Mike McGlinchey wasn't highly ranked. Mm-hmm. Quentin Nelson was highly ranked by rivals. ESPN had him outside the top 200. <laughs> so should he have not gone after Quentin Nelson and instead recruited somebody else because there was more highly ranked guys in the class? No. Alex Bars was a top 100 guy, but he didn't go after him because they ranked him as that. He evaluated him as that. Mm-hmm. Joe Jeff Quinn could have landed a more highly ranked offensive tackle in the 2022-21 class than Joe Walt. I promise you that. They were higher ranked guys that Joe Alt, Jeff Quinn could have got, but he chose Jeff, Joe, Joe Alt. Got to give him props for that because he saw a better player. He didn't care what Rival said. I see a better player because when they landed Joe Walt, they thought he could be a star. Mm-hmm. Anyone that watched the kid knew he had potential to be a star. You know, that knows offensive line play. It just could he get there? That's the question. So, so Sean, I agree with what you're saying regarding, regarding the perceived top players yeah you can't pin that look you you saw i think you said it earlier in the show when mickens came in that position room was it was a hot mess man and had one one, one, two years of julian love doesn't change that no especially when he goes and gets picked in the fourth round and gets moved to safety absolutely and so now you're really just seeing the fruits of like his first the first thing he does is yo however it happened yo cam hart come on over and he turns Cam Hart into a day two defensive back to be the anchor of future, you know, return on investment as far as the NFL draft. Benjamin Morrison is coming right behind him. Christian Gray is coming right behind him. Now you start to see a track record that can be formed. And then the kids in the 25 class, you know, Dallas Golden. Devin, it, it, he's doing it the way it needs to be done at Notre Dame. He figured out a way to do it, and he's doing it. You know, if he was at Alabama, he might be doing it a totally different way because it's a totally different task, and it's probably much easier. You know, so. But I'll say it again, Sean, and this isn't for your benefit. If he was at Alabama, would he have targeted anyone other than Benjamin Morrison that year either? No, because that's who Nick Saban targeted. Yeah. Right. That that's my whole point is that that was a guy they would have targeted at Alabama because Alabama did target him. So like I, I get you and I are kind of saying the same thing. We're just looking at it from different standpoints. We're yeah, on I the just, same page. I just, just I just want I don't like the yes, top five to ten guys. Yeah, are not going to look at Notre Dame as heavily until the NFL draft starts. Pen and you can't like you said you can't put that on Mike Mickens because it is no. starting to change. My whole point yes. is. My whole point is too, Sean. Those there are some guys like that looking at Notre Dame that they every, pass on. They used to pass on for different reasons. Yeah. So I think it's it just the entire premise to me is is flawed. And like and I never heard, the, I never heard a word from Notre Dame about Devin Sanchez. Not a word. What's the other kid that committed to uh, Wisconsin that Notre Dame was in early on? The Remington 24th. Moss kid, the safety. I was a defensive back. I forget. Yeah, Remington kid. Moss. He was a safety. Remington Moss. Yeah, he's committed to Wisconsin. Yeah. They were on um, Mbakwe 
early. Oh, you're talking about last year's class? Yeah, your last year's class. Not gotcha. I'm His not name sure. is so catchy, man. But go ahead. No, Save no, no. I'll, I'll look it up. I'll look it up real quick and see who it was. Is the kid in the 24 class? Is what you're talking yeah. about? Yeah. All right. So they're DBs. Oh, Emilio Agard. Emilio Agard. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. You know, another kid. He's what? Well, he's out of Pennsylvania. Is that? He's right. like a Pennsylvania, New Jersey mm-hmm. he's kid. A Philly somewhere. kid. Yeah. Philly kid. Yeah. Another kid that you know. You know, I I don't. For some reason, you know, Amelia Agar was there. Jalen Bakwe was at the top of the list, but True. they knew it was going to be hard to get him away from Alabama. Like before, from they there. could, yeah, he had visited Alabama like twice, no, three, four times already. It was like, mm-hmm. okay, we're not going to get this kid, but he still built a relationship, right? And that relationship that he built can pay dividends in the state of Alabama. That mm-hmm. oh man, you were looking at Notre Dame. So other Alabama kids now coming behind once the track record gets built up. They're like, right. okay, maybe Emilio Agar, you know, which is somebody I think they kind of cooled on. Yeah, they weren't as high on him. I mean, he right. just a little he he didn't fit the profile of what Notre Dame was looking for. They chose Carson Hobbs over him and some other kids. And, right? and that is yeah. the uh and they and they got Carson Hobbs and he was committed to another spot, really right. like South Carolina, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that's what I'm and well, South Carolina has a nice right a, that staff has a pretty good track record of defensive right. backs recently. Well, and, and Sean, if you look at the guys in their name is recruiting in this year's class, a lot of them are highly ranked. Mm-hmm. I mean, Dallas Golden is a guy that's ranked as in the top 100 by multiple services. He's he's ranked as a top 10 corner by multiple services. Dallas, uh, De- Devin Williams is a top 100 recruit, according to ESPN, just outside, according to Rivals, top 10 cornerback, according to ESPN. And then Mark Zachary is the number seven cornerback in the country, according to 247 Sports, top 100 guy. The thing is, they're not recruiting those guys because they're ranked high. This mm-hmm. isn't a situation where all of a sudden, hey, we can get those guys now. Let's go get them. No, it's their evaluations in this instance – with Devin and Dallas match up with the national perception. That's the difference because Dallas is more of a fit than maybe some other other top 100 players are. That's the difference, right? And so th- those are the different things that you have to look at and say sometimes they will go after those guys that are highly ranked. But it's not because all of a sudden we don't have a chance on him. It's because Dallas Golden would have looked at Notre Dame two, three years ago. That Now, what is he going to pick Notre Dame? I don't know. We'll find out. But no matter when Dallas Golden came up, he would have looked at Notre Dame. Why? Because of how he was raised. The priorities that his father put upon him on what's important to you to go to the next level. It doesn't ultimately mean he'll pick Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. I don't know that he'll pick Notre Dame. But the reason he's so high on Notre Dame and has made multiple visits to Notre Dame is because of how he was raised. Well, that would have changed five years ago if he was coming up five years ago. He was still going to be raised the same way. He still would have gone to a coach or a school at Berkeley Prep whose coach emphasizes more than just you know, you're you're a top-ranked kid, go to Bama. He understands, hey, look, there's a lot more to life than just this. That's the circumstance. Other kids aren't raised in the same circumstance, which is why they're not going to be considered. So, like, a kid like him is going to look at Notre Dame no matter what. If if they if he was viewed as a three-star kid, they'd still go after him, and he'd still look at Notre Dame. If he was a five-star kid, they're still going to go after him, and he's still going to look at Notre Dame. Now, the, key, the thing that Mike Mickens is doing now is he's closing. He's closing on those kids, mm-hmm. and that's the difference, and hopefully he can do it in 2025 as well. So, um, you know, like I said, Dallas Gold, Mark Zachary, Devin Williams, you give me two of those three and, and with Cree Thomas and we're gold. Like, again, Cree Thomas, not a highly ranked kid, but you lo- look at the film and you're like, dude, I don't, I don't know what they're not seeing, but they're missing something. 
I, and you'd think that he'd get the benefit of the doubt now after they missed on his former teammate who was, you know, in, in Benjamin Morrison, but there's still no. But Notre Dame sees something. Yeah. In that kid. Because look, guys, there's there it's not outside the realm of possibility that they could have that they could have landed Mark Zachary, Dallas Golden, and Devin Williams, all three of them, if they wanted it. But they chose Cree Thomas. Why? Because they see something that rivals and two four seven don't. And they're always going to go with their own evaluation. And they should. They should always go with their own evaluations. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. Good good, good conversation. I mean, again, I don't I, – I love the way he presented it because it was for – it was it was for conversational sake, even though I disagree with it. But I do think it sparked good conversation. I appreciate that very much. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.